That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the beautiful city of angels, at least it used to be beautiful, in Los Angeles. <laughs> and from the Big Apple in New York City, I think it used to be big. Uh, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg, the one and only at thecaregiverspace.org. And we are coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and way too many more to say right now. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and the number two podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and the number two podcast on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Emily Thoreau Threat is an author and lecturer with extensive personal experience in the grieving process. She has created a unique program called Writing Your Way Through Grief to help others through the grieving process. She holds a master's degree in English with a concentration in writing. Oh, she's actually taught writing and composition at the college and university level for over 30 years. She conducts workshops, speaking engagements, and retreats on transforming from loss to joy on the mainland of the United States and in Maui. Well, sign me up for the Maui one <laughs> because I think I would like that retreat. Wouldn't you, Adrian? I think so. Yeah. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank last week's guest, Bradley Nelson, Trapped Emotions and the Six Underlying Causes of Disease. Americans spend almost 9000 annually on health care, the third highest amount in the world, yet our health ranks worse than the residents of 33 other nations. Go figure, according to a new report. Anyway, just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier above. Okay, enough of that. Emily, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We are so excited to have you on. <laughs> Aloha. I'm happy to be here. I'm laughing because uh, the original guests couldn't make it, and I sent Emily an email, and she got it late, and and we just scrambled to get her on here. But, you know, my mentor always taught me if somebody says, can you be on in 10 minutes? The answer should always be yes. <laughs> and she said yes, which is good because the first person I asked says, oh, no, I can't possibly. Well, you know what? That person's never going to get on TV or radio <laughs> because they'll never be ready and it'll never be the right time and it'll never be perfect. So congratulations, Emily. You're one of us. Thank you. <laughs> So I like to ask my guests just who is Emily Thoreau Threat and why was she placed on this earth? I was placed here to uh, fulfill lots of different intentions I've had throughout my life. I've had a marvelous life. And most recently, I've been working pretty exclusively in the grief and happiness field, oh. which uh, I, I enjoy quite a bit. It, it really, I see the, the help and the light coming back into people's faces from what I'm doing now. And I really enjoy that. And uh, my podcast happens to launch today. So in really? addition to being a guest, I'm uh, having my own podcast now too called Grief and Happiness. Oh, uh, is it very soon after ours? 
Uh, well, it, it's on now on, on Apple Podcasts. Oh, you already it, recorded it. it. Started, yeah, I recorded it. It's, it's not live. It's recorded, and it started uh, this morning. Cool. You want to do a plug on how, to, how they can get there and watch it? Um, yeah, the, next, uh, the next one, of course. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, they can watch it anytime on Apple Podcasts. Just go okay. to Apple Podcasts and look for grief and happiness, and you'll find me there. Great. Thank you. And, you know, I've never heard, now maybe I'm dense, Adrian, but uh, tell me, I've never heard anyone talk about the grief process as a grief and happiness. They, they don't usually put those two words together. So explain to me, Emily, um, how do you connect grief and happiness? Obviously, can you be happy as you're grieving? Is that what you mean? Yes. Or, you're, or you're shooting for happiness and one day you'll get there? Both. You can be happy while you're grieving, and it's good to keep happiness in your um, sight lines to know that you can be happy, even if you don't feel that way right now. And I've had uh, two husbands die in, in addition to my parents and lots of friends and relatives. But with my husbands, um, after the first one died, we've been married 22 years, and I just was not happy at all. I had a really hard time just getting from day to day. And finally, I found a book, Happy for No Reason, by Marcy Shimoff, and <laughs> just <laughs> fell in my lap. And, and so I read it and I thought, wow, I, I can be happy. Uh, this is an artificial thing that I've kind of put on myself that if you're grieving, you can't be happy. And that's not a way to live. So I was, uh, the, the book helped me a lot. And then I never thought I'd get married again because I, I had such a great marriage with uh, Jacques for so long. But eventually I did. And we had a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And we're married and we were together for 10 years. And then he died, <clears throat> excuse me, of the same thing that Jacques had died from. They both had congestive heart oh, wow. failure and renal failure. So I did quite a bit of caregiving in the last couple of years of their lives. And uh, it, was, it was very rewarding. I was very happy to do that. But after Ron died, I thought, yes, I'm grieving. Uh, grieving's hard and grieving's sad but I'm not going to live the rest of my life in this dark place. Hmm. I, I will always grieve um, because I will always love both of my husbands. They will always be in my heart, and that's hmm. a part of grief. But I also have a life left for me, and it's worth it to me to be happy and to help others find happiness too. Yay. Well, my first question for you, Emily, is you talk about um, how writing can heal the pain after loss. You mean like journaling and stuff or writing a book? Or what do you mean by that? There's lots of different kinds of writing you can do. I, I started out just by journaling, just writing my thoughts, okay. writing mm -hmm. what I was feeling about and what was happening for me. And since I'm a writer, besides teaching writing for a long time, I've also written three college textbooks. And, and so writing is kind of a, a way that I can keep in touch with myself. Yeah. And I did a lot of just uh, general journal writing. And then I thought, how, what else can I do with writing? So I did a gratitude list, started a gratitude list. And I, once I started it, I've continued it still. I do it every day. I write down things that I'm grateful for. And that helps because when I first started doing that, somebody had recommended it to me and I said, <laughs> I'm not grateful for anything. My husband died and I'm by myself, you know, <laughs> but I thought, well, 
I'm going to try because a couple different people had said it. And I thought, if I'm getting this from different directions, I'm <laughs> supposed to try it. So I did. And I found that the more that I wrote about things that I was grateful for, the better it got. I, yeah. I kind of felt like I could take a brief, deep breath and it felt better. So that was, that was a really good writing technique cool. that helped me. And I, I went on from there and it kept writing. Then a, a good friend of my husband's died just about eight months after my husband died. And he, uh, it, he was much younger than my husband. He called my husband dad and he was not expected to die. He wasn't sick or anything. He just died. And I was so worried about his wife that I wrote her a, a big long letter about things that she needed to think about then and things she didn't. And that actually kind of helped me put things in perspective. And when she told me how much help that letter was to her, I thought I've got to do more than this. So I started writing a card to her every week for the first year for 52 weeks. I, I wrote her a card with different things related to grief and how she was feeling. And though I know I was helping her, I also felt like I was helping me in the process. So I kept finding this different ways. And after I'd written down everything I was going to put on those cards, I thought, gee, I've, I've got an outline here. <laughs> and so... Yeah. Uh, you know, the writer in me sees the outline and I got an agent and got a publisher and my book came out in January. And it's, it, what's, what's different about it is it not only <sighs> tells my story and the stories of other people who were dealing with loss, but it also in every chapter gives the reader something active to do. And lots of the things that I ask them to do have to do with writing. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. And wow. it, people have just really liked it. So that's your purpose. You become a caregiver to the caregivers. Another one. That's right. <laughs> so, um, what and you know how, how important writing is to me, Dave. Yes, yes. And uh, Adrian all the time says journaling, journaling, journaling helps. And before you know it, uh, you've got a book, you know, or you didn't even realize <laughs> it. And uh, so I know jur uh, journaling has been a big part of Adrian's life. And I keep telling her that's going to be a book, Adrian. She goes, nah, I don't want to write a book. <laughs> But she she is writing a book, so she just doesn't know it yet. I don't know it yet. <laughs> She's a poet, and she don't know it. And, <laughs> and how can you? How can uh, people who are grieving improve their mood when they're dealing with the grief? I mean, it almost sounds contradictory. I know it. It does sound contradictory, but the the big thing is to realize that they can. Because when, when you think that you're stuck and that you can't feel any better, you're not going to feel any better. And if you can, it was like I was saying about gratitude. I didn't think that I was grateful, but once I realized that I was, I could embrace that and move into it. So if you really want to be happy, you can find ways to be happy. For, for instance, my aunt and uncle were in a terrible car accident and he was killed and she very nearly died and it took her a long time to recover from it. And I went to visit her in her recovery and she had, uh, I can tell you how long ago it was, it was a VHS recording <laughs> of the movie Patch Adams. And I said, oh, do you like that movie? And she goes, I watch it all the time. She said, I can't help but smile and laugh when I watch the movie. And it makes me feel so good that there's somebody out in the world that's doing such happy things to make other people feel happy, too. And I thought, wow, you know, you put yourself in a position where there's happiness around you and you kind of can't help but smile. And that that's, feels really good. You also talk about in your book how uh, saying yes 
can uh, make you even happier. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That was something that I kind of had to teach myself because I, I, I think lived with a knee jerk reaction of no, <laughs> when somebody would ask me something, I think about it and uh, frequently go back and, and be able to say yes, eventually, but I just mm-hmm. always started with a no. And about a year after Jacques died, it was coming on New Year's Eve, and I was sitting by myself and had been for quite a while and thinking of how sad I was and <laughs> that it was time for me to start doing something else. So I decided I, was, I wasn't going to make a New Year's resolution because, like most people, I had a challenge keeping them. But I decided to set an intention for that year, just one intention, something I was going to do that year but I didn't know what it was going to be. So I wrote about it. I meditated about it. And what came to me was that I needed to start saying yes to invitations. And I thought, well, this, this is a really strong message to me, but I hadn't been receiving any invitations to anything. So I thought it was kind of weird, <laughs> but I thought it's, it's so strong. I, it's not going to hurt to try it. So I decided I would say yes to invitations. And as soon as I did, amazing invitations started coming to me and I had just incredible experiences from it. The the first thing was the editorial board and the the newspaper for the county invited me to be on the editorial board for a a one-year term. And it was fascinating. I Mm -hmm. loved that. I was invited to create a film festival for the the county Mm -hmm. uh, film commission. And that was exciting. I, wow. I was invited to, to go to South Africa and I'd never thought wow. about going to South Africa, but I had an amazing trip. <laughs> and it was because I was paying attention to notice when people were asking me something. Sure. And since I'd made that commitment to myself to say yes, I started saying yes. And my whole life opened up. It was just, it was life-changing. And it was not necessarily with people that I knew it was uh, new people coming into my life, sure. and it, it was really kind of a miracle for me at that point. Wow, I'm jealous. Adrian's been to Africa. She's done a lot of work over there. So Not South Africa, though. Well, Africa. Well, South Africa is wonderful. <laughs> it's a big place. <laughs> Very different. So you're talking about how writing a letter to yourself can help with grief. What do you, what do you say to yourself? Uh, well, you get kind of frank and honest with yourself uh you know you can you can kind of write a a letter to say you know uh buck up here you know (laughs) there's there's no reason for you to be moping around you you have control of what you do and what you're feeling and what you can say and it's up to you if if you want your life to be different nobody's going to change your life for (laughs) you and it, it was something I started doing in my journal to write myself a, a, a letter. And, and in it, I was considering everything that was bothering me at the time and how, what it would feel like if it wasn't bothering me and what I had to do to make that happen. And by writing it, it mm-hmm. kind of made it real. When, when you don't write things down, for me especially, I'm, I'm sure this happens to a lot of people, the ideas just kind of bounce around and in and out of your head. And sometimes you remember them and sometimes you don't. And you think, oh, I thought I had a good way to handle that and it's gone. But if you write it down, it's there. And so the process of writing that letter to myself and, and being really honest with myself saying, I know you don't want to be sad for the rest of your life. I know that you would like to have conversations with people, that you would like to go places that you could enjoy. 
and you're the only one that's holding you back. So you need to make a change. Is there something that you should never tell a grieving person? Like, uh, <laughs> don't worry, you'll get over it. Uh, I made that. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the one, the most common thing that I hear now that, that really grates me is I'm sorry for your loss. And people think that that's an okay thing to say. And I think when people say it, they're, they're not meaning any harm. They're, it's, it's not malicious. They're, they're not trying to hurt you. But to me, it sounds like, have a nice day. Yeah. Or how are you? You know, it's completely meaningless. I'm say, guilty also. I don't know what to say. So I just say, you know, in the text, sorry for your loss, you know. But um, uh, what yeah, should they, we say instead? <laughs> and instead of saying something like that, say something like, Oh, I know how much you're missing him or missing her. Uh, or I remember one thing that somebody said to me after my parents had died was, I just remember how whenever I saw your mom and dad walking someplace, they were holding hands. And I thought after over 50 years of marriage, that was so cool that they were still holding hands. Well, that made me smile and feel good. Yeah, they, they still were gone. And I, I was feeling compassion from the person who said that. Well, what, what are the kinds of things that you shouldn't say to a person who's grieving? Oh, uh, like somebody who's lost a baby, you can have another child. Um, you know, <laughs> you know that's, what's the big deal? Uh, you can always have another one. You can get married again, you know. Um, Especially when a just, dog dies, you know how they say, oh, you can oh, buy yeah. another. Go to the yeah, go, go buy Only a dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only a dog. That's right. I've, I've heard that. And boy, people are so attached to their animals. And when you say something like that, it's like kicking them, you know, <laughs> or slapping them. Like, like they, they don't matter and it's not important. So it's, it's very important to uh, think about what you would want somebody to say to you. And I know one of my favorite things for people to say to me is for them to mention my loved one's name, whether it be my parents, my sister, either or my husband's. Um, if, if they say something kind about them, uh, somebody said they, they remembered my sister's sweet smile, that she, she always seemed so pleasant. And yeah. that made me smile. So if, if you can mention the person or the animal uh, or the loss. It could be the loss of your home. I have one of the people in my um, grief, one of my grief groups uh, lost her home in one of the California fires. <clears throat> and it was, it was major. It wasn't her, just her home. It was her home. Her animals, her husband worked, uh, his business was in their home. So they lost possessions. Yeah. All those things all at once. And that that's huge grief, huge loss. And anytime that you make something seem not significant, that's, that's hurtful. So it's important to, to find something positive and genuine to say. And if, if you're coming from your heart and you're being positive and you're telling the truth, then you, you really can't go wrong. I'm going through a, a grief period that's, yes, she that's is. different from from this stuff um it's brought up a lot of the old stuff but um i sold my loft and i sold it six months ago. i sold it nine months ago i've been living 
um, on an island, but now I only have one way out of the day and one way back to a day. And I did find a new, <clears throat> a new place to live, but I've been grieving the loss of the old apartment. And uh, it was a place that my husband, my late husband and I built together. Uh, it was beautiful. It was very large. It was everything I'd always dreamed about. And it was very hard to let it go. And I've been very kind to myself about it. But getting out of allowing myself to grieve and moving on. Now I have to move on because I'm closing on the new apartment in a couple of days. So uh, I, I will starting a new life as fearful as it is it does as, as fearful as it makes me it also makes me happy mixed emotions it's a different kind of grief but it does make me live through the loss of mm -hmm. my late husband again because i had to go through everything and give up mm -hmm. our apartment you know yeah. she brings up a good point uh you talk about how gratitude can help the grief uh, in, in Adrian's situation. How can she use gratitude to, to make that grief a little more tolerable and, and even better than that? Well, with gratitude, I can see so many things to be, be grateful for that wonderful place that you and your husband were able to create together. Memories, yeah. And uh, that, that was just great. And, and gratitude for the fact that you... <clears throat> were able to find a new place and you have something new that you're going to be starting for yourself. So think about all, all the things that are good. Think about new, the new the, chapter, right? Yeah. The new oh, chapter. I have a lot to be grateful for, including the fact that, you know, I have my summer place that I was able to move into for six months um, until I found a place to land. Uh, it's just, um, there's so much on the horizon uh, as well as health problems mm. right now. So mm. it's very confusing, but I am very yeah. great. I but, don't yeah. have gratitude at all. <laughs> but the common theme of all this grief is self-care, taking care of yourself, putting your oxygen yes. mask on first. Um, our last question, because we, we got to wrap it up here, but how can we just use self-care to, to, to cinch the deal to, Put the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Oh, that's a bad example. I know. <laughs> yes. Nail in the coffin. That's like yeah, Joe Biden said saying that. about yeah. uh, abusing your spouse, and uh, yeah, just got to knock it into a. <laughs> you know, with with um, with that, whenever anybody asks me what the the first thing is that you need to do in in grieving, what what they can do the best to help themselves, I always say, take care of yourself. It's you mentioned before about the putting the oxygen mask on first. If you're not taking care of yourself, nobody else can take care of you. And you're the one that's always going to be with you. And so it's very important to recognize what what makes you smile, what makes you feel good, what you want to do, what you can do, and focus on that instead of focus on what's no longer here, what you can't have back. But to, to focus on, on what's positive and take really good care of yourself, even if it's taking a bubble bath or reading a book or having a glass of wine with a friend or something to just take care of yourself. That's, that's the first and I think most important thing to do with grief to feel better. 
I can't believe how fast this 30 minutes has gone. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you or find out more about your book, et cetera? We didn't even talk about your book. A little <laughs> brief snippet on your book. Okay, my book is love. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> it's Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. It's available any place where books are sold. And I have a, a website that has the same name, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief.com. And that's also my email address, Emily at Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. And through that, you can find out about my Grief and Happiness Alliance group, where uh, we meet every week and do some writing, do some talking, visiting, and do happiness practices. You can learn about my writing sessions that I do. You can catch up my podcast and my blog. I'm, I'm all over the place out there to help people. <laughs> yeah, we're all all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes us happy. <laughs> Good. I like the smiles. <laughs> okay. And a reminder to all our listeners that all our live shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on our platforms mentioned above. And, um, uh, you know, like YouTube and Podbean and all those things, my membership website. Um, just a reminder, my membership website, uh, sign up, become a free member, and you get all our resources. You get three free gifts. So, uh, we are so grateful that you tune in every week for watching and listening, and it helps us reach even more caregivers by clicking a little like button if you're on a, a YouTube or any other platform that asks for you to comment or, or uh, give the thumbs up. So again, thanks so much for tuning in, and thank you to my guest, Emily, and my co-host, Adrian, for showing up faithfully almost every week. <laughs> so until next almost. week. Right almost. Almost. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we have to give her grace because moving is one of those traumatic events right up there with divorce and death, etc. So we do give you a lot of grace, uh, Adrian, and our prayers are with Thank you. you. So God bless everybody and bye-bye. Okay. That was a good show. Thank you so much for coming and doing it all at the last second, literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's part of that saying yes thing that I have. So. Good, yes, good, good. absolutely. <laughs> I'll send you the links uh, by the end of the day, uh, maybe even late into the night. So uh, okay. it on your social media. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you very much. Bye. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experience. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now 
all over the world sharing our story. One day, life is going to call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 